creepier than an unexplained story of reincarnation is one that's doubled because it involves twins. Arguably, twins have some kind of occult magic to them anyway, but throw in the lore of their dead sisters and you've got the makings of some Victorian-era Crimson Peak shit, right? So anyway, before we jump into the story of these girls, here is a brief primer on reincarnation. Firstly, it's probably important to consider here that really the whole like creepy occult mystery is something that's really only felt in the West where Christianity prevails because in other parts of the world, particularly in Eastern religions, reincarnation is actually pretty fundamental to religious belief systems. This idea that your soul can sort of transcend the life that you're in currently and that you've probably had lives before and that you will be reincarnated and have a life after you die in this life. Now, you may not come back as a human, you might come back as something else, depending on what your soul needs to figure out, but this idea that you have multiple existences as a soul that may take many forms is actually not necessarily something that's super occult and freaky anywhere else in the world other than in places where belief systems like Christianity that don't necessarily take reincarnation into consideration. Occasionally, then, it would make sense that if you've had past lives and you are in a current life, that maybe some of the things from that past life will bleed into your present existence, especially if it's tied up with like unfinished business or lessons that you have to learn. So in the more paranormal sense, there have been accounts of people claiming that a loved one died and, and then was reincarnated, sometimes actually returning to the family in the form of a new baby, which brings us to the case of the Pollock twins. But really, the story actually starts before they were ever born. So the Pollock family lived in Hexham, England, and the parents, John and Florence, uh, had two young daughters named Joanna and Jacqueline. So although he led the family in devout Catholicism, John actually held some pretty intense beliefs about reincarnation, having reportedly encountered it in a novel when he was a kid, and it had stuck with him throughout his life. Now his wife did not necessarily share these enthusiastic beliefs, uh, at least not at first. In May of 1957, when the girls were 11 and 6, Joanna and Jacqueline were walking with a friend to church when tragedy struck. They were hit by a car being driven by a woman who'd been forcibly separated from her children and was intent on killing herself. And she was actually driving under the influence of barbiturates. She hit the children, Joanna, Jacqueline, and their friend, and the children were killed instantly. The Pollocks were understandably wrought with grief, though John insisted almost immediately that they were going to have two more daughters and that those daughters who had been lost to them were going to be returned to them. Florence was not buying this, nor was the surrounding community, particularly the community at their church, but they were all trying to be really understanding of the fact that grief affects people in many ways, and that if anybody had lost not just one child, but both of their children in such a sudden and unbelievably tragic way, then it was completely reasonable to think that they were going to have, you know, some very extreme reactions. But the thing was, is that by the next autumn, Florence actually did give birth to twin girls, and from then on, everything got kind of weird. Now, first of all, it would not be unusual for sisters to look alike. Certainly not within the same family if they all have the same parents. Many siblings actually can look identical as infants. So when 
Jillian and Jennifer were born and looked just like their departed sisters Joanna and Jacqueline, that wasn't actually so weird. But the fact that Jennifer had the very same birthmarks that Jacqueline had had was a bit unsettling, as was the fact that she had a barely noticeable scar which her sister had acquired when she fell on a bucket as a small girl. And of course, there was no reason for a newborn baby to have that exact same scar. Unless, of course, she was, you know, the reincarnation of her departed sister. It was all very unsettling to everybody except John, who had been completely expecting this because he was convinced, despite his wife's skepticism and that of the church and their community, that these babies were the reincarnated souls of Jacqueline and Joanne. Now, given that they had just lost their daughters like a year before, and then turned right around and had the stress of two babies to take care of, I mean, people were trying to be very understanding. But things definitely did kind of start to get a little bit weird, and one of the examples occurred when the girl were just toddlers and they started asking for specific toys that had belonged to their sisters, almost as though they had memories of playing with them even though they'd never seen them before. And although the family had actually left Hexham shortly after the twins were born, when they returned for a visit several years later, the twins were pointing out familiar places in the town, like the grade school that their older sisters had attended. They also were inexplicably terrified by cars, and as they acquired more language, those eerie things started to get more specific. Specifically, they were giving their stuffed animals and dolls the same names that their sisters had, and when nobody was paying attention, or at least they thought nobody was paying attention, they were actually talking about the accident in detail and in the present tense, almost as if they were reliving it. So as the local newspapers had covered the sisters' deaths and the trial of the driver that followed, the press also told the story of these kind of creepy twins, which grabbed the attention of of Ian Stevenson, a psychologist who specifically studied cases of purported reincarnation in kids. He included the Pollock girls as a case study in his book, Children Who Remember Past Lives, which was published in 1987. They were one of 14 case studies that occurred in that text, but just one of thousands of case studies that Stevenson investigated in his 50-year career. So he first met the Pollock girls in 1963 when they were four years old. Interestingly enough, he really only had about a year to hear of these stories and observe them and their behavior and their similarities to their sisters physically because by the next year when the girls were about five their memory just all of a sudden seemed to disappear. They never really spoke about their sisters or anything even vaguely related to them again and they seemed to have no memory of ever having had any awareness of them at all prior to that. Now Dr. Stevenson periodically did check in on them as he did for all of his case studies talking to them for the last time in the late 70s when the girls were 20 years old. So the girls grew up to live pretty normal lives, all things considered. They did, however, continue to bear startling physical similarities to their sisters, until, of course, they outgrew them, and then you have to assume that they, you know, eventually matured to an age that their older sisters never reached, so it's kind of hard to say how much of that was just childhood, you know, likeness and similarities amongst siblings, or, you know, certain things that just kind of went on unexplained. Into their adult lives, they did occasionally report having memories
memories or flashbacks to things that they then realized couldn't have necessarily been their memories, but that felt like they might have been memories of their sisters. Specifically, they remembered playing with children or playing in neighborhoods that they had never played in, that they had never lived in, but that their older sisters would have. Now, how much of that is just things that they may have heard from their parents and thought that they were remembering and false memories and all of that kind of lends itself to the growing skepticism around this case. Now, Stevenson did consider that the parents who had been obviously totally grief-stricken when these babies were born could have tried to mold them into their sisters who had died, but it was so specific, he felt, that no parent, no matter how grief-addled and no matter how determined, just couldn't force a child to behave or look in such a manner. And ultimately, after years of research and comparing them to many of his other case studies, Stevenson ultimately did feel that it was one of the best examples of reincarnation, one of the best cases that was in support of reincarnation existing that he had ever encountered. Now, the biggest problem that critics point out with this, and there are a lot, but the biggest argument against the Pollock sisters being an example of reincarnation is that the events that were described and the things that were witnessed were only ever witnessed by their parents. Now, Florence maintained for most of her life that she really didn't think they were the reincarnated souls of the daughters that she had lost. But she understood that her husband was very determined that that was the truth. But that amount of influence definitely could have stood to paint certain events in a particular way that would support his theory. Now, we've talked about like confirmation bias a lot on this podcast before, but this might be an example of that. If anything, the more obvious explanation is just that for a grief-addled family, it was just a very intense form of wishful thinking. 